In today's Mishnah, it's one of the second or third Mishnah from the 10th Parakamasechta Ruven. And in yesterday's Mishnah, we were dealing with what one does if they find fillin. We learned if there was a small number, one could wear them, exactly how many pairs, that was the subject of debate. And if there were many pairs, we saw that it really depend on the situation. Either he should stay there, but one of the scenarios we mentioned is if there was a danger that there would, say, highway bandits would come and put his life in danger, what he can do is take the whole bunch Pachot amot, meaning he walks less than four amot and stops, and does that in that pattern until he's able to transfer the till into a place where they can be protected. This Mishnah begins by Rabbi Shimon disagreeing. Rabbi Shimon Omer, not According to Rabbi Shimon, he prefers that in this case not to walk bit by bit on your own, because there's a concern that as you're walking, you might walk a little bit more than four amot, and then violate a prohibition on Shabbos. Instead, what he prefers is that you get a whole train of people in a row and you pass it one person to the next. So again, this item is not being transformed or the Daladamot. But the advantage of this method is since you're using a number of people all standing at a short distance from one another, you can be more confident that you're not going to transfer the item more than four Amot in one go. However, the Chachamim who disagreed felt that this is much worse. Why is this worse? It's because you're involving so many people. It's going to cause a greater zilzul Shabbos, a, gre- a greater degradation of Shabbos that so many people are involved in doing this Isur in order to save Tefillin. It's better that only one person is involved alone. Just to finish what Rabbi Shimon says, it says, Not known the Chavero, the Chavero, the Chavero, you simply pass it from person to person, until you get to the first place in the city where it's a Makom Mishtamer, a place where these Tefillin could be protected. The Chen Beno, likewise, if a child is born, say, in the field, Again, we'd say not Once again, according to Rabbi Shimon, what we would do is we would create a chain of people and pass the child one person to the next in order to get it to a place where there wouldn't be a violation of carrying on Shabbat. Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda says, "Noten Adam This is an interesting case. I actually, someone asked me recently, "What if someone is stuck outside the tchum?" and he can only walk Daladamos, and he needs food, he needs drink. So what the Mishnah says, what one can do, is he can create a chain of people that can transfer, say, a barrel of water in this manner of less than four amot at each time it's handed over. It's important to mention, mention one point. We've seen so far that one's property can go no further than the person he himself who owns it can actually travel. So importantly, we must be understanding that this Mishnah is referring to a barrel of water that's hefker, is completely ownerless. And consequently, it was not konashvita, and therefore it can be transferred all the way to the individual who's outside the tchum, so that there is no uh, restrictions on uh, how far it can be transferred. Amrul law, however, they said to Rabbi Yehuda, So this is now according to the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri. He says, you cannot take this barrel further than its owners can walk. So if we're dealing with a barrel that is hefker, this sounds a bit odd. However, what it means is, according to opinion Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri, that chefze hefker akonem shvita in their location, meaning if you've got a hefker item, it cannot be transferred more than 2,000 away from where it was situated before Shabbat. So despite the fact you might want to transfer this water to the people outside the Tchum Tchum Mordah, would have to see whether this barrel itself is 2,000 amot away from that location, because if it is greater than that distance, beyond its own Tchum, I should say, it wouldn't be able to be transferred to them.
Let's continue. So let's say someone was reading a, a sefer, literally means book, but you have to remember in the time of the Mishnah there were like scrolls like Migilot. And he was standing on the, or sitting on the iskupa, which is like the th threshold or a porch or a step in front of the house. And importantly, this step is at least four by four tfachim and less than ten tfachim from the ground. So in other words, that region is defined as a caramelit. And what happened is, Nitgal HaSefer Me'ado, and unfortunately he dropped one end of it, and it all rolled out onto the Rishur Sabrabim, but he's still holding the other end. Mishnah says, Golalo Etzlo, what he's allowed to do, he's allowed to roll this Sefer back towards him. So, importantly here, what we're dealing with is, if it completely fell out of his hands, and it was landed in Rishur Sabrabim, he would not be able to bring it back to him. Why? Because he's situated in a Karmelis. And on a rabbinic level, one is not allowed to transfer from a, a Rishus Harabim, the public domain, to a Karmelis. However, since the one end is still in his hand, despite the fact that Chachamim would not ordinarily not allow one to, say, play with a ball on a string and roll it out and bring it back, in this case, because of Kavod sefer, because of the, the we're dealing with the honor of the Sifri Kodesh we're dealing with, then they said one is allowed to roll it back towards them. It's interesting that in the Gemara, however, there's a brighter decided that that's only if it rolled out less than four Amot away. Because if it rolled further than four Amot away, then one would have to simply turn the, the Megillah over and leave it there. Meaning, why turn it over? So that it's not left with it completely exposed in a state of disgrace. Why does he have to leave it there? Because the concern is if it rolled out further than four Amot, then if we allowed him to roll it back to him in that context, then let's say he wasn't holding the end of it. Next time or another time, and it rolled out onto Rosh Hashanah, he might simply go and retrieve it. So that's why they limited the distance that it rolled away from from the, the reader in order to roll it back. Mishnah continues, If he was, say, seated on a roof, that is on the side of Rosh Hashanah, but the roof itself is now Rosh Hashanah, once again, one end of this sefer rolled out. He's still holding iron. If it fell and it was landed until 10 Tfachim from the ground, but above it, then Golalo Etzlo, he'll able to roll it back to him. Why? Because it's only 10 Tfachim close to Rosh Sarabim itself that is defined as Rosh Sarabim. Above 10 Tfachim, it's not an issue. It would be considered a Makom Patur and it would be permitted to roll it back, even transfer it back. Mishigila Asrat Tfachim, once it hits below 10 Tfachim, then Hofcho Alaktav, you simply have to turn it over and leave it there, meaning you simply turn it over so that the letters are not exposed, and leave it there, you're not allowed to roll it back, out of concern, once again, that you might transfer it. You note here that in this case, we're a bit stricter than the case where the person's on a scuba, we allowed him to roll it back. That is because in this case, that we're dealing with a biblical violation, which would be transferring from Rishus Harab into Rishus Yachid. Whereas the first case, the Iskopa itself is defined as a Karmelit. Just so you know, this is one way of understanding the Mishnah. That's where the Bartender explained it. There is another opinion in the Gemara that actually explains the Iskopa as Rishus Yachid, but I'll leave that for your own further study, given the limited time we have to learn together. Rabbi Huda adds a further point. He says, Even if it rolled completely out, it was just a needle's width from the actual floor, then you'd be able to roll it back to you. Now, it's important here to understand that Rabbi Yehuda is actually not necessarily arguing with the previous opinion. He's simply, it's all his opinion. In other words, in the first case where it, where it was below 10 fachim represented a problem, that's when it rested, for example, on a slanted wall. Since it rested on a location, that's when it presents a problem. However, if it's still hovering, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you'd be able to roll it back towards you.
Let's continue. Rabbi Shimon says, According to Rabbi Shimon, he disagrees. He says, even if it was resting on the ground, you'll be able to roll it back. Because according to him, why are you not allowed to roll it back towards you when it lands on the ground? That's only because of an Isul de Rabbanan. It's a Gzeira. It's a Gzeira because we're concerned that one might transfer it if it fell next time, say, from the roof to the Rosh Hashanah, that person will actually physically retrieve it and violate a biblical prohibition. But he says, because it's a Shvut, meaning it's Isur Rabbanan, and Isur Rabbanan does not stand in the way of Kavod for Kitvei Kodesh, for the uh, honor of uh, sacred texts. Consequently, according to him, even if it was resting on the floor, this Gezerah would not apply. You'd be able to roll this scroll right back to you and it wouldn't be present a problem whatsoever. Interestingly, however, the Bartonero points out Halakha is not like Rabbi Shimon, that in this case, the Gzer Rabbanan would still apply, and as we learned the coin to Rabbi Huda, if it is either hits the ground or resting on some surface below ten Fachim to Rosh Hashanah, then you'd have to simply hofcho, turn the parchment over, so that the text is not exposed, and leave it there till after Shabbat. Those are Mishnah today.